This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With each mortgage-free home, the Tunnel to Towers Foundation delivers on its promise to do good and never forget the sacrifices America's greatest heroes have made for us. Heroes that put their lives on the line for all of us, risking their lives for our country and our communities. These heroes need your help now more than ever. Help America's heroes. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number two, T.org. Hi, everyone. I'm Dr. John White, WebMD's Chief Medical Officer and host of the Spotlight On series from WebMD's Health Discovered podcast. For this special two-part episode, you'll hear up-close and personal journeys about being diagnosed with a rare type of cancer, multiple myeloma. I started in myeloma nearly 25 years ago. And at that time, the average expectation of life in someone with myeloma was maybe one to two years. But even just in this last 10 to 12 years, we have doubled, if not tripled, the average survival of patients. I saw a new patient this week, and we had this conversation that based on what we've done over the last decade, my expectation is that patient's going to live more than 10 years. Listen to Health Discovered on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're recording for a podcast. Do you have anything that you want to say? Um, yeah. What do you want to say? I want, I just want to, I just be scared that nap time. Oh, you're feeling a little scared? Why are you scared? Are you scared because there are still people out there that are Team Hannah? Yeah, it makes me sad too to think about. Do you think that Hannah is gaslighting everyone? Yeah. yeah. Um, Gavin Pierce said that she has. Oh, yeah, your friend Gavin at daycare. Feels sad sometimes? Yeah. Yeah, Luke felt a little sad this episode, too. Did you buy his apology? Yeah. Yeah, I did, too. Hey guys, this is the self-proclaimed season ticket holder of pop culture and your mama's favorite black geek. I'm Kendrick, host of the Me and You, the Housewives and Marvel 2 podcast, a podcast that 
through my own random and winding rants, discusses everything related to pop culture. Everything from reality TV, to the MCU, to the DCEU, to all of the hot topics being discussed on CNN, NBC, BET, ABC, and 123. Grab your wine glass, sit back, and get ready to cuss and fuss right along with me. Woo! Why, hello, everyone. You can thank Chelsea from the Oh No Bravo Instagram and Patreon for that little introduction for me, okay? Look, it was a family affair this week, okay? We're just coming to, we're, we're coming off Easter. The families are still together. You know, we're, we're having a good time over here. How are y'all doing? Easter is actually the appropriate holiday for this episode because I'm going to talk about Merit to Medicine first. But I want to thank them for that introduction. But this isn't the... The last time you're going to hear from Chelsea, you're actually going to hear from her later on in the episode a lot when we talk about Summer House. And oh yeah, that Summer House episode was, yeah, we're going to get into it. But in case they didn't make it known during that intro, they did want to tell y'all something else before I jump into the episode. Team Luke! Team Luke! Can you say adorable? Oh my God, you guys, if you're listening to this the day this podcast episode came out, then I am officially vaccinated plus the two weeks they recommend you wait. Like, this is amazing. I don't know. I I don't know. I want to thank the judges for picking me, my parents who I love. I mean, I just, it's an amazing feeling. I, I'm, I'm vaccinated. I'm, I'm so happy about it. I know there are people out there that are 100% 100% against being vexed. I don't give a damn. I'm very happy about it. Uh, most of my family now is either in the process or has been vaccinated. We have not been playing about this. We Look, we're trying to go get us some Airbnbs in different cities and get the hell out of here. We still go stay to ourselves, but look, we're trying to go. Hop up in the car and leave. We're sick of this shit. Whew. Lord have mercy. I am so glad to be on the other side of it. Let me tell y'all. You might want to be a lot of things. You might want to have a lot of things. But COVID is not one of them. That was one of the worst two weeks or however long it lasted of my life. I'm so glad it's over. Praise God. Praise Jesus. He who I love when praise goes up, blessings come down. He saw me through it. I didn't have nearly as you know bad of a reaction as other people. But, you know, still, but still I rise. <laughs> Shout out to Maya Angelou. Look. Let's go ahead and jump into this episode. This is uh, Easter was this past week, so it's only appropriate that we talk about Merit to Medicine first. Now, I know what you're wondering. Why are you starting off with Merit to Medicine just because Easter was this past Sunday? Well, I'll tell you. This episode aired on the exact perfect day, Easter Sunday, a.k.a. Resurrection Day, as we call it down here. Child. Toya and brought Carrie Wells and Lisa Nicole Cloud Noggles back from the grave, back from the dead. Come on, Toya. You better resurrect the, the cast members of Christmas past. Ooh, this episode kicked off with Simone receiving a phone call from Toya saying that she wants to have like, you know, a little get together. But 
she only wants to invite the ladies that'll turn up. So in her mind, that's Simone, that's for some reason Carrie Wells, that's Lisa Nicole Cloud Noggles, and that's Anila. Now, child, I don't know if I necessarily want to turn up with that crew, but it looked like they had a little fun and they they damn sure ate good, you know, fucking with Eugene. So I'd come anyway. This kind of sets us up not only for, you know, later in the episode, but later in the season as well, because y'all remember Heavenly and Lisa Nicole, they were never really on the best of terms. So we'll just leave it at that. Historically, that is one of my favorite (laughs) beefs on this show. They used to go at it like crazy, but you know, Heavenly, it don't take much for her not to like somebody. So that might not be saying too damn much. Toya's little pool party was the first major scene of the episode. Lisa Nicole Cloud was looking good. I'm sorry, I, I left off the noggles. You just, Lisa Nicole, just whatever I call you, be okay with it, okay? Now, all you got to do is drop that man, okay? <laughs> You'll be in good shape then. But Lisa, you being messy already, and damn it, I love it. She gets by that pool and she says, ooh, I just had a flashback. Talking about when Mariah and Toya were knucking and bucking in season one at Carrie Wells' house by their pool. See, Lisa, you weren't even in the cast then. You didn't join this damn show until season two. You just being messy as hell, and I love it, okay? Then Simone introduces Lisa to the ladies and says that, you know, she used to hang out with us, but then, you know, she left, and then Toya jumped in. You know, Toya like, "Uh uh-uh, no, she got ran off. That's what happened. She didn't leave. She got ran off. You know, Nicole, Lisa Nicole Cloud Noggles is uh, nodding her head up and down. Yep, I sure did. Uh Uh-huh, yep. Y'all remember her and Quad were beefing back in the day. Her and Heavenly were beefing back in the day. They didn't see it for Lisa Nicole Cloud Noggles back in the day. Mariah only really saw it for her because... Well, Mariah didn't have no other choice. <laughs> that was her only real damn friend. Now, Toya, you weren't exactly helping her out back in the day, but that's a you know what that's a story for another day. In fact, let me go ahead and throw it over to JV from Chicago, who had a comment about both Merit to Medicine and Real Housewives of Atlanta. See, he's gonna gather Bravo up a little bit. He go gather Bravo a little bit, but then he's gonna give y'all his thoughts, and he'll be back a little bit later to talk about Real Housewives of Atlanta. So let me throw it over to JV. Hey, it's JV from Chicago. And is it just me, or are these Bravo shows honestly getting dry than a Popeye's biscuit? Like, I love them. I keep them going. Jersey is, is giving me a whole lot of drama that I like to see on my TV. But as far as Married to Medicine in Atlanta, it's getting kind of dry to me. Maybe it's just me. But I definitely had a few thoughts on uh, Married to Medicine. One being, Toya, you are very confusing. You were friends with Quad while she was allegedly bullying Lisa Nicole off the show. Because that's what you were insinuating. You said nothing when it happened. But now that y'all are not friends, you're saying that Lisa Nicole was pushed off the show. Secondly, I am waiting for either Heavenly or Contessa to throw it as a diss to Toya that she done worked her husband into having a hormone imbalance because he got less testosterone in him than My Little Pony. Oh, I can't wait for that. He is so messy, but I love every minute of it. (laughs) This little pool party was actually, it actually looked pretty fun because they're talking about everything from Toya's dreams about having threesomes with uh, Simone. Uh, They're talking about tennis lessons. 
They're talking about Anila building that damn house, all kind of stuff. The highlight of this scene, though, was Simone's wig sliding clean off in that pool. Now, see, Simone, rule number one, if you going swimming, it's either natural hair or a sew-in that's of immaculate quality. Let me say that again. If you going swimming, it's either natural hair or a sew-in that's of immaculate quality. No wigs. Hasn't World Star Hip Hop taught y'all anything? I know y'all have seen all the wigs that have slid off of heads over these past years. No wigs in the pool. You go get embarrassed every single time. Side note, Jeannie Jean, Dr. Eugene, them oysters look better than the oysters they sell at Papado. Do you hear me? I need Eugene to sell them joints in the freezer aisle of every grocery store imaginable. I don't care if it's Publix, if it's Kroger, if it's Food Town, if it's a uh, uh, Super Walmart. You can sell them at the Food Circus for Mama's Family for all I care. Wherever. I'll make the trip and I'll get them, okay? I want them. Lisa Nicole Cloud Noggles even said, I don't even like oysters and these are amazing. See, Lisa. That's what's wrong with you now. You don't eat oysters, and so you and that man ain't got no damn aphrodisiacs. You ought to be, you know what? Let me stop, because ain't, no, ain't nothing in the world going to keep that man from cheating. So uh, you know, let me go on about my business. They say, they say mind the business that pays you, and don't nobody damn pay me except my job. So let me, let me get up and do my damn job. I love that we get a scene with just the husbands. See, there are only two shows on Bravo that could actually make this happen. Married to Medicine and The Real Housewives of New Jersey. The only two. I said what I said. Married to Medicine and The Real Housewives of New Jersey. The only two shows where the husbands can do the damn thing. Now, nothing really happens in the scene. <laughs> but it sets up the husbands talking about how they couldn't work with their wives. Especially how Scott couldn't work with Contessa. Okay, child. About to work together and on the brink of a damn divorce, I guess. Then they even mess you because they cut to uh, Contessa talking to, I don't know if it's her cousin or Scott's cousin or whoever been babysitting them damn kids. I don't know. But Scott, you know, he she says that he pretends to be traditional, but he really isn't. She has dreams. But then Scott talks to Damon about how him and Contessa are trying to get back acclimated now that she's actually back in atlanta now keep in mind she was gone to get that degree i forgot what it was but she wants to be like attorney general so she had to get some kind of degree and she was in i think nashville for a while she couldn't find a school in atlanta she said oh they got the best program i'm getting the hell up out of here you take them kids y'all have a good time for for two years and then i'll be back damon tries to relate to him and tell him that him and heavenly couldn't do counseling because the doctor didn't know what the hell he was talking about child I guess Damon, if you if that's what you want to say, Damon, or 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 hear me out, Damon. Maybe he was just calling some shit out that you didn't want to hear. I'm just saying. I don't know. That that's that's what tends to happen when people go to therapy. You hear a lot of stuff about yourself that you might not necessarily like, but you know who if, if heavenly like it, I love it. So let me stay out of y'all business, okay? You both of y'all are grown adults. Let me stay out of y'all business. We see Jackie and Heavenly having lunch at one of the park benches. Now, this made me sad. Every season of the show, 
we always see Jackie and Simone eating lunch together. Always at these park benches, random park benches, but they're always there. Suddenly, Heavenly has taken Simone's spot. This was one of the fixtures on this show. Just like you could always count on Mariah cussing Quad's ass out, <laughs> you could rely on Simone and Jackie sharing a meal together. I'm, I'm glad the first thing out of Jackie's mouth was, I feel like I'm cheating. That's because you is. That's because you is. Heavenly, ultimately, though, okay, Heavenly, I'm on your side now. She ultimately convinces Jackie to have a conversation with Simone because she wants to, quote, unquote, get the Golden Girls back together, child, (laughs) and to call her during the lunch break. See, Heavenly, you low-key being shady. You thought that Jackie was going to mention that you were there while she was on the phone with Simone so that Simone can feel replaced. See, Heavenly, I'm from the South, too. I see you for your works, as the old folks say. I know you for your works. I see you for your works, okay? Jackie calls, and she says that she wants to talk to her and have a conversation. And Simone ultimately agrees, but she does it pretty begrudgingly. I don't know. It doesn't seem like she really wants to. You know, Simone doesn't want to get Jackie's hopes up. And Jackie says, well, at least we'll have tried at that point. You know what? That's a can-do attitude, Jackie. Now, will it get you anywhere? I don't know. I can't see the future, but... I'm optimistic that it will. Now, listen, I don't really care about Anila's home building journey, but I will say I do like her and her husband, Karen. Their actual dynamic is way more interesting than them building this home together. I mean, this ain't damn property, brothers. I'm not watching HGTV. I mean, uh, damn, I want to see the husband, honestly, cuss them parents the fuck out. I'm just saying (laughs) them parents that stay all the way in their business. Just cuss them out one good time, and then you will have earned your whole check this season. I'm convinced. Now, yes, I do love you know, a good home building show, but I want to see the finished product. This, uh, tick tacking this house together is not it for me. Sorry to this storyline. Maybe, you know, just go to HGTV and show that part. The rest of the time I want to see y'all interacting with the women and, you know, cutting up. I don't too much care about this or bring the in-laws back here watching Karen, uh, be on the brink of cussing their ass out was more interesting than anything to me. So hell, bring, bring mama back. <laughs> Listen, Eugene and Toya, I can't help but to love these two. They give us a scene so cringeworthy every single week. Cringe, but hilarious, I will say. Eugene needs a testosterone shot. He needs to give his legs a break because, you know, he can just easily sit down and stick it in his leg. He needs to give his leg a break. So he needs a shot in what he said online was his hip. I call it his whole naked ass. Not only does he need a shot in his naked ass, he needs, wait for it, wait wait a minute, wait for it. He needs Toya Bush Harris, a.k.a. Petroya, to administer it. I know you fucking lying. Now, I love me some Toya, but I wouldn't trust Toya to pour some NyQuil cold and flu medicine in a damn bottle cap for me. <laughs> I'm just saying, you, you, you can convince me of a lot of things. That ain't one of them. Side note, 
I do love the little banter about andropause and menopause. They're funny as hell to me. But I do love the fact that Eugene is open about the fact that he needs a testosterone shot because his sex drive and you know, and whatever else, child, I don't know, has significantly decreased. Y'all know when I be watching these shows, I be half-ass paying attention, be all on the phone playing Mario Kart and shit on Instagram, uh, eating tater chips, all kind of stuff. So I do the best I can, hell. Toya almost broke that needle off in that man's whole ass. Whole ass. But thankfully, all went well. Toya, she, you might as well apply to medical school now. You already uh, out here giving shots. That's 1% of the job right there. So, <laughs> child, let me not hype you up. You know you know, you hype a reality TV star up. They'll be in the line uh, waiting to apply the next day. Let me, Toya, I'm just playing. Let that man make the money. You be the mom. You good at being a mother, full-time mother. Do not try to go give people shots for real in life because you will break them needles off just like you almost broke that needle off in that man's ass. So, uh, a toy, leave it alone. The Whitmores are taking Michael to college. Sad. Simone has some worry because Miles, her oldest son, used to basically lie and hide the truths about studying and doing homework and all that kind of stuff. What was funny was the contrast between the two conversations that were happening in the cars. <laughs> Simone and Cecil are in one car worrying about, you know, Michael adjusting in college and, you know, oh, my God, I hope he doesn't, you know, lie to us like Miles did and all this kind of stuff. Meanwhile, Michael is over there finalizing the list of girls that he's interested in talking to and Miles' ass is helping him. Ain't that some shit? You know the fuck what? I love that they talk about the importance of HBCUs and having that conversation on a televised platform. I, you know, I always wonder if I could do it all over again, would I choose the same school I went to or would I divert and go to an HBCU? And you know what? I think that I probably would. I definitely, definitely, definitely wouldn't come out of pocket and go into debt Fucking with these private schools that I went to. You know what? What the hell is wrong with me? Took my blackity black, blackity black ass to the cornfields of Indiana for the promise of a great education. I'd give that damn MBA back if it meant that I could be debt free. And that's on what? Mary and her little lamb, okay? Mary and that sweet precious. Oh, that sweet precious lamb. I would give that MBA back in a heartbeat if I could be debt free. I swear to God. We actually finished this episode... With them, after the scene with Heavenly and her son, that I'm going to touch on next. I love that Miles, during this scene, this next scene, gives him advice based on why he didn't do well his freshman year. Now, see that? If everyone could get lessons from someone else about why they failed at something, we'd all have saved a whole lot of time and a whole lot of money. That's some, I, I love that. That's some true big brotherly advice right there. You over there uh, finalizing a list of girls he talking to and you telling them, don't be like me. Now, see, that's a good big brother. We see Heavenly's oldest son, Damon Jr., apprenticing and following her around her dental practice because what he's decided to follow in her footsteps and become a dentist now see that's a beautiful thing a family full of black doctors see we let the bullshit 
of reality TV distract us with the arguments and the shade and the reads that we often forget that we are getting a peek into the lives of the opulence that is the wealthy African-American. See, I love it. Come on, goals. I mean, you know, it's not one of my goals to dress like heavenly, but it is a goal to be as successful and, you know, raise a family full of doctors. Now that's a mood. Okay. I mean, I don't, I, I don't want no damn kids, but y'all get what I'm saying, okay? This scene is also when we get to check in with Miracle, who was the peaceful protester who was punched in the mouth by the police officer. You remember she came, she was on a an episode maybe two or so weeks ago. She had temps in her mouth, and now Heavenly is, you know, doing her whole mouth, doing a whole new smile. Come on, Mint by Lyles. Now, see... Let me stop, because Ansel and the Bell Collective have season finale, and they ain't got nothing to do with this. They didn't have their reunion and everything. Let me stop bringing little Ansel Nett up. We don't need. We don't need. We don't need. Let me stop. Because <laughs> I was about to go in right quick, but I'm not going to do it. All I'm going to say is, Heavenly, you had that mouth looking good. I'm not going to say nothing bad. I'm going to end this on a good note. I'm not going to go in on you heavenly, maybe on Instagram, okay? <laughs> Let me move on over to the Real Housewives of Atlanta. We start this episode off, and Drew has a surprise for the ladies. They get in a sprinter to go meet her, and guess who they're taking cooking lessons from? Big Frida herself. You already know... See, that's the queen of the bounce right there. That's New Orleans royalty. Ass everywhere, ass everywhere, ass, ass, ass everywhere, ass everywhere. See, I don't know about that. He's teaching them how to make booty popping potatoes. I know that's right. That sounds um, stanky. I don't know. <laughs> but I'd eat them because I, I love potatoes, okay? At some point during the fun, Marlo talks to Kenya and Candy about her conversation with Portia. See, Marlo... Let the mouse go. Set out the shut. Uh, I was about to say sudden shack, sudden strike for uh getting that diamond over in Beverly Hills. We see you, sis. She's telling them how she asked Portia flat out if she slept with Bolo. How Portia told her that she needs to end into you know ease into her friendship with Kenya, telling all the business. Marlo tells Kenya that she told her it wasn't true, and then you know Kenya proceeds, of course, to call her a liar. Marlo, you're not going to change anybody's mind. You got to let it go, baby. Let it go. And Elsa ain't nowhere around. Let it go, baby. Let it go. They asked Candy, and Candy said what the fuck she said. She said, it's none of my business. And Portia, quite frankly, doesn't need to speak on it. Thank you. Thank That's all I wanted. Thank you. Child, let me not quote her on this damn podcast, okay? Anyway, everybody, let's move on. Y'all are getting into uh, Beverly Hills territory now, which is the laziest production on Bravo. And, uh, you know, Atlanta, y'all have had some lazy production since Carlos King left. But a few of the seasons, y'all have managed, you know, to produce some some amazing seasons. So let's not get into Beverly Hills territory. Now, y'all have always been better than that. Let's not do that now, okay? They get their food and they go to the table, you know, to fellowship and eat and laugh. But of course, they show the blackest part of their ass in front of the bounce queen herself, Big Frida. You know what? Marlo asks a hypothetical question and it's clearly, 
clearly about Portia and Kenya. Marlo might as well have said, you know, suppose I have a friend that has one child. You know, she has a big old booty, has a hair company, works on a TV show with Ricky Smiley, enters the chat room with someone from Summer House and someone else from Potomac, is on a reality TV show, has a bedsheet line, and has been working with Tamika Mallory to get justice for Breonna Taylor. Now, keep in mind, this is all hypothetical. See, you know what? Marlo, quit playing with these folk, okay? <laughs> Child. I just listed Porsche whole damn resume. You know what? You better make them coins past the P. And I should have said and got a podcast too. And got a podcast. The fuck? Okay. Come on, past the P. Past the P's like we used to do. Hey, y'all don't know nothing about that, Martin. Of course, Porsche calls out Marlo and they end up getting into a whole argument. And Candy finally says, Marlo, it ain't got nothing to do with you. It ain't got nothing to do with you. Nobody asked you to be in the middle of this. Marlo says, okay, I'm going to be friends with both of you, and neither of you will make me trade on the other. Kenya and Portia are like, neither one of us is, you know, talking shit about the other one, or at least publicly. (laughs) So just let it go. But Marlo keeps going. Portia says, you know, she finally says, I have nothing else to say i am no longer contributing to this conversation she completely disengaged like meredith marks child marlo starts calling them people motherfuckers and all kind of stuff and marlo gets up and leaves now what was funny was that marlo couldn't find her way out that damn restaurant (laughs) now that sent me marlo went from the front back side side before she could finally uh ask somebody for some damn help and actually got out that damn restaurant now you know what i'm gonna interject three quick side notes right now and then i'm gonna get into jv's other comment about the real housewives of atlanta so let me start off with the first one this segment alone was 14 minutes long this one piece of episode without commercial child i guess they had to let that argument play out i don't know secondly kenya that ponytail was stressing me to fuck out. Out. Do you hear me? It stressed me out. Not nearly as much, though, as Drew. My third thing, them G.I. Joe combat Herman Monster Louis Vuitton boots you had on. They might have stressed me out even more than King's ponytail. It was a lot going on. Let me just go ahead and throw it over to JV to uh, talk about Marlo and her antics because them boots and that ponytail it, it was all just it was it was it was too much for me i'm i need to take a uh a bare back and body and lay my ass down because now as far as atlanta it really feels like marlo is trying to put herself in the middle of the drama of the season like whatever the central storyline for the season is that's what marlo wants to be in it right now is Portia versus kenya If literally everyone else in the group is friends with both women in some way and none of them feel like they're being put in the middle of any drama, why are you? For this thing to be a conversation, it's tiring. For we to still have to be talking about Bolo, it's honestly just stupid. Just like how Portia said, okay, yeah, I did it and what? Like, yep, sure, sure, I did it. Wide as a table. Bust it all out open. It is, it's like, why is this still a conversation? Y'all really have nothing else going on that we're still talking about this. 
And is it just me or did Kenya look like she had Giselle do her ponytail? Okay, I'm done. Y'all in these voice notes be killing me. He said it was like Giselle did Kenya's ponytail. You know what? I understand because that ponytail stressed me the hell out. I don't know what was going on, but Kenya, uh, Kenya more hair care. You didn't have none, none of them products in that bag because, ooh, that that thing stressed me out. Marlo finally finds her way out of the restaurant, and everybody is embarrassed that all this happened in front of Big Frida. Kenya, in the same fashion as the last episode with Latoya, follows Marlo out of the restaurant when she was just going off on her inside. But of course, Portia is the bigger enemy, so she has to keep Marlo close. Drew is be outside as well, and she's being the voice of reason right now. She's for them having a conversation because keep in mind, on the last episode, Portia was in her room crying about the relationship with Marlo, which prompted that healing twerk center <laughs> child, healing twerk center conversation in the first place. Kenya goes back inside. And she starts to relay why Marlo is upset. And she tries to, you know, put the onus of it on Portia. And Portia's like, "Uh uh-uh, don't say my name, child. I wonder if Destiny's Child would have still won an Emmy if the song was called Don't Say My Name instead. Don't say my name, don't say my name. I don't know, it's not as catchy. I don't, uh, I don't know. We'll work that one out. They finally, you know, they start going back and forth, back and forth. And finally, once again, Candy interjects. Thank God for Candy on this episode. And it's not too often I said thank God for Candy. So Candy interjects. She says at the end of the day, what difference does it make if somebody decided to fuck a stripper? And even Cynthia jumped in and said, it makes no difference in my life. Kenya actually agrees with Cynthia. But then Shamia, another voice of reason, asked, then why do we keep having to talk about it? Kenya once again does this whole hypothetical situation, which if you remember a couple of weeks ago, Taria from the What Else Is Going On podcast sent in a voice note and she said this exact thing. Why is Kenya doing all of this regarding a hypothetical situation? It makes no sense. You know, she's saying because if it was me, we'd all be talking about it. Now, is that true? Maybe it is, but it's hypothetical. So you have to have a better reason than that. Hell, Maybe, I don't know, they they would have encouraged you to try as long as, you know, uh, long, long, I, I don't know. <laughs> they might have encouraged you to try a little bit of Bolo because Mark Daly is such an asshole. Hell, you, I, I know I'd encourage you. Hell, you'd be a lot nicer if you got some of that Bolo long, dong. I'm just saying. Finally, Portia jumps up, you know, she jumps in her sarcasm bag and she starts saying, you know, she starts, quote unquote, admitting everything. Now that's how you clear a bitch. Okay, that's how you clear a bitch right there. At this point, Kenya is the only one that cares. And that's including the fans. (laughs) Nobody cares, not even the fans. Portia even brought Candy into the situation and said, you know what? I should have knocked on your door while we were doing it. And Candy said, oh, it would have been good, too. I know that's right. See, I love this friendship. I love that they've gotten back to a good place like this because I, I don't know. I like Portia and Candy as friends. Then the bitch words start flying. Kenya, I'm a little disappointed in you in this scene, not because of the hypothetical stuff. You know, Kenny, you go do what you do. 
But you call yourself the shade, you know, the shade assassin and all like that. If, if you don't like my shade, well, step out of my shadow, you know. And you didn't have any comebacks at that dinner. I don't know. Ken, you don't. Let me find out you're too tired to, to come up with some shade. I don't know, Kenya. Maybe. Oh, no. Next time. Next time. I, because you let me down there. Later that night, back at the hotel, Candy and Marlo talk. And Candy questions why Marlo is doing whatever it is that she's doing. Candy said, them folks gave you answers, but Marlo said that that's not enough. She want the whole truth and nothing but the truth. She said they gave her two different answers. Candy said, well, I mean, they told you answers, but <laughs> you just want some satisfaction, I guess. Child, that didn't help not a damn thing. Candy, stop talking to that lady. You ain't gonna help none of them damn people trying to be the voice of reason here. They don't give a damn about reason in Atlanta. If they gave a damn about reason in Atlanta, none of it, nobody would have been off in the clubs during this global pandemic with swimming pools in the middle of the club. I know y'all saw them videos. It was, let me get off y'all in Atlanta. The next day, the hurricane starts coming in and the ladies start convening separately. This is when we find out that Portia has left the whole state of Louisiana. <laughs> <laughs> Drew called Shamia and Shamia told her that Portia is gone and then left her ass. You know what? <laughs> now, it was funny seeing Kenya laugh about this. Kenya said, that girl is foul. Now, Portia, that was some foul shit. If you go flee the whole damn state, you can at least tell your best friend, like, girl, I'm about to leave. You want to uh, ride with me or what? What's tea? What's going on? But damn, Portia, you left her ass right there where you, where you found her, I guess. Then we found out that, you know what? Candy ass gone too. <laughs> Candy said, ah, ah, y'all got me fucked up. It's a whole hurricane coming. I'm about to get back to my kids and uh, get back to yet another business venture that I'm opening up on Bravo. I know that's right, Candy. After we're seeing a conversation between Marlo, Kenya, and Cynthia, they go to get their room from, uh, not the room, they go to get their food from Drew's room. And boom, power goes out. This is so random, but I love a temporary powder, a power outage. It feels like it takes me back to my childhood. Something is so relaxing about being forced into the dark ages just for a few hours, though. Now, when it goes out for more than a few hours, that's when I'm calling the electric company and trying to get a portion of my goddamn bill refunded, okay? <laughs> Them folks, listen, I'd be so goddamn pissed off. I, I had to take a, a vacation from my job a few weeks ago because the damn power was out. The whole city was, it was a mess. A storm came through and wrecked havoc. And I, we, ooh, I you know what? We had power, but we didn't have no, no cable, no Wi-Fi, no nothing. It was a whole mess. This ain't about me, though. This is about they raggedy asses over there in their hotel packing in the dark. <laughs> ooh, child, the ghetto. At least uh, y'all left with your lives, so I guess shit could be worse. Side note, shout out to Clifton Powell, a.k.a. Pinky from Friday, for making a little cameo in this episode. Yes! Come on, Clifton. Come on, Pinky. Say something else. Say something else. I, see, I love me some Pinky. I just got done watching uh, Friday After Next 2, so I feel like y'all were... That, that was a little nod to me. Thank y'all. I, I appreciate it. I love seeing the election from the Atlanta ladies' viewpoint instead of seeing it from the New York Housewives' perspective because that, that was a much sadder time, okay? <laughs> we see all the ladies showing their absolute glee and happiness with the results of Biden winning this election. But look, Portia, 
Bravo. Y'all need to do better. They had Portia reading off that damn teleprompter during that conversation with Cynthia, and it was supposed to look natural. Now, her delivery was great, but bravo. If y'all are going to have Portia or anybody else reading off a teleprompter in these uh, episodes, doing these in-episode promotions, whether y'all doing products or whatever the hell y'all doing, at least had a teleprompter behind the person they're talking to so it looks natural. I mean, my God, it, it was it was awkward to watch as a fan. But it, it's like sometimes y'all don't even give a damn about the production value on these shows no more. I mean, God. <laughs> oh, man. Cynthia and Portia shooting that commercial or that PSA or whatever it was. All them damn takes that they... <laughs> it was like me recording this damn podcast, honestly. Hello. My name is Kentrell. Damn, wait a minute. Hello. My name is Kendrick, host of the Housewives Me and You. Damn, hold on. Hello. My name is Kendrick Knowles Carter. And you know what? <laughs> After the conversation, Cynthia and Portia end up recapping Marlo and how that whole dinner went down. Portia says she doesn't mind mending fences and how she, I don't know, she's seen Marlo you know, dogging other friends out, but she still gave her a chance. She's basically saying like she doesn't see any point in the future where they go backwards after this. I don't know. Cynthia says Marlo is hurt and maybe she deserves a little grace, but it sounds like Portia said, girl, fuck all that. So (laughs) I don't know how that's going in with them. The episode ends with Candy's Blaze Restaurant soft opening. Basically, this scene is setting us up for the next episode because then shit happened yet except Marlo and Kenya coming in and Portia giving them the whole side eyes. Shout out to Mama Joyce, though. Shout out Mama Joyce and the OLG for falling through. But not Candy introducing the OLG like everybody ain't been on this damn show for a decade and don't know them damn people. Candy, we, the audience, the cast members, y'all been the same for 20 years now. We know who the hell them people are. Don't be introducing uh Bertha and Nora to them people like we don't know who the hell they are. Child, goodbye. Before I pick the mood up, let's go ahead and talk about the Real Housewives of Dallas. Oh, Lord, this is a boring episode this week. But let me, y'all know, if I can't talk badly about Dallas the way Kaya from the uh, Bravo Wild Black podcast can. So let me throw it to Kaya Kaya to tell y'all her thoughts about the Real Housewives of Dallas. I'm going to be completely honest. I have checked out of Real Housewives of Dallas. I see Tiffany on my screen. I look as soon as she's off my screen. I'm on my phone. I cannot wait for this shit to be over. It doesn't even need a reunion at this point. Goodbye. Did my friend lie? Or did my friend tell the motherfucking truth? I'm just saying. We pick up from last week where it was Deandra versus Brandy. And of course, Carrie motherfucking Brittenham got to join in and got to insert herself because it's Carrie. Brandy, of course, is still doing everything possible to center herself as the victim of all victims. I mean, oh, God. I hate that Deandra actually concedes and apologizes and all that different jazz. Apparently, daring the extensions and spiritual guru (laughs) has really taught Deandra some things. I guess I need to stop letting Medea be my damn spiritual advisor because I would have cussed Brandy ass the fuck out just out of principle alone. I'm just saying. Child, they finally leave and they got Brandy driving the damn bus, not to be confused with driving the boat. Shout out to Megan Thee Stallion. 
and she tearing shit up left and right. <laughs> they got Deandra driving at one per, uh, at one point, and she running over children, birds, curbs. She uh somehow running over catfish and trout and and uh rainbow fish and grouper. I don't know how the hell that happened. Somehow they make it to the house in one piece though. So uh, the shout out to Deandra, I guess. Side note: when they get to this house. One of the scenes was Carrie surprising the ladies with jello shots. She then proceeds to actually teach them how to take the jello shots. Now, I will say she was not wrong in how she taught them. But in 2021, the way she taught them stressed me the fuck out. She said, you take your finger and you go around the edges and it comes right out. Now, see, while this is indeed true in the way that I was taught by the whites in college how to do jello shots, I couldn't imagine in good faith doing this in the age of coronavirus. I don't care how many times I've washed my hands. I would be stressed the fuck out. Ah, ah, I'm not doing it. No, sir. Not me. Can't do it. They pick rooms by putting cowboy hats and boots and all kinds. They put all that in the bag and they pull it out. Yeah, you heard me right. They put cowboy boots in the bag and pull them out. I don't. Stephanie come up with most shit. I don't know what the hell going on. Somehow, Cam and Tiffany are rooming together and Brandy and Deandra are rooming together. I don't. Nothing about none of this makes sense to me. Of course, you know, that leaves Stephanie and Carrie, but. You know, Stephanie kind of pretends like she likes everybody, so that ain't really the headline. It becomes the headline later on because her and Carrie damn near knucking and bucking, but, you know, they they work out their shit, so who really gives a damn? It drives me crazy to see how Cam suddenly acts like her and Tiffany are just the best of friends. I don't know why she drives me so crazy now, but, Lord, just... Uh, just let my girl Tiffany have a suite as a consolation prize for putting up with y'all asses all season long. I'm just saying. While they're surrounding the fire outside and getting drunk and things and such, they start hearing noises. Now, child, I thought it was Sasquatch or, or Bigfoot or Cthulhu or somebody coming to get their asses, but it was actually just a man from Duck Dynasty. <laughs> What's actually funny, though, is as I typed that out in my notes, Cam jumped her ass on TV and said it right after I did. Now, see, that's why I don't fool with her, because she be stealing jokes. Half her go crazy to herself. This man starts telling this boring-ass story about how he kills turkeys and uh, something. I don't, you know, I be, during Dallas, we be half-ass paying attention, so I'm sure y'all don't know either, hell. Listen, he talking about killing turkeys or, I don't know, or people, hell, I don't damn know. Maybe he's a serial killer, I don't know. And these folks actually start interrogating him about the turkey murder. Listen, y'all are grasping at straws. Grasping at straws at this point. I mean, my God. I'm not going to lie. I was ready for this episode to go the fuck off. When I think of Housewives vacations, because keep in mind, even in a pandemic, this is considered a vacation. We think of, you know, Bolo swinging at Johnson over in Atlanta. We think about Luann falling in the bushes in New York. 
We think about Teresa telling Jackie to shove that thick vibrator of Jackie's ass over in <laughs> over on the Jersey Shore in the, the Real Housewives of New Jersey. You know, we be thinking about some other things. This isn't giving us that energy at all. I don't know what this vacation is giving, but it definitely ain't giving that. Carrie, at this point, is drunk as hell, constantly harassing this man that's helping them find Bigfoot. Now, spoiler alert. They never find Bigfoot, duh. <laughs> but Carrie is constantly telling this man to stop hunting animals and to give the animals a chance and to give them a gun instead and see who, who comes out on top. Like, okay, I can understand you're passionate about turkeys being hunted, I suppose. But I would have been more convinced had you not been over there fucking up them hot dogs and them turkey dogs and them sausages and that hog head south sandwich, you know what? <laughs> Let me stop. Y'all don't know nothing about no damn hog head south. I'm so damn country talking about some hog head south. But see, I'm telling y'all, y'all better start having a, a pen and paper when y'all listen to this podcast. I can give y'all some things and now y'all put a little, ooh, just, I'm trying to tell, I'm trying to told you. I'm trying to told you. Carrie... She starts talking about the man's penis size and all types of just ignorant stuff. Carrie, ma'am, the seat, find it, because I'm getting sick of your ass like I am every damn week. The next morning, all of the ladies are cooking breakfast, and Carrie comes down and ruins the mood with her badass attitude, of course. She said the eggs look nasty. She's not responding to questions and comments that are coming her way. Just rude. I mean, ugh. They talk about how Brandy, Tiffany, and Carrie will go fishing while all the other ladies go wine tasting. Then Carrie blurts out, what, uh, <laughs> what did y'all think of all the Bigfoot stuff from last night? Stephanie, good job. Stephanie tells her how rude she was. And, of course, Carrie laughs through an apology. It pisses Stephanie off, and she says that she wants Carrie to basically call the man and apologize, child. <laughs> Carrie is making every damn excuse in the book, but we actually see later that it genuinely hurts Stephanie's feelings, like, to the point of tears now. Y'all getting into summer house territory now with these damn tears. I don't know, but that ain't my damn business she's crying about it because she doesn't want the man to feel bad when he literally just came there to help them see oh, carrie you just got to be the worst all, every day of your life huh you just got to be the worst god listen we go on this little trip we start off with carrie brandy and tiffany and they're going fishing and child the highlight of this episode if not this season, <laughs> was Tiffany Moon's preparedness during this little excursion. Tiffany had a small umbrella hat for when they were walking from, uh, like from the vans and stuff down to the water to protect her from the sun. Child, they got down there where the actual water was. Tiffany pulled out a second hat that was three times the damn size of the first one. You know what, Tiffany? I'm here for it. Everything you're doing, I'm here for You can't make this shit up. I live. I live for the shit. That, listen, that makes me want to go camping next time. <laughs> that makes me, that's going to be me next time I go camping, as a matter of fact. 
it's Umbrella Hat or Bust for me. I need to be able to join Umbrella Academy on Netflix the next time I go fishing. I'm going to be looking just like Tiffany Moon. You know what? I'm going to look for a hat even bigger than Tiffany Moon's, okay? I'm going to try to one-up Tiffany Moon because I lived for every ounce of that, okay? Meanwhile, the other ladies are making wine. And no, it's not what you think. Now, it's not the, you know, the I love Lucy when Lucille Ball is, you know, stomping the grates and then she flipped out that motherfucker. <laughs> they, it looked like they making jailhouse wine. That shit you get from a toilet that uh the man who tried to shank you a couple of days later, you know, he specializes in. That's that orange is the new black wine that Poussey had that she was making it herself, everybody. They made that cheap ass wine and then they sat down and talked about Carrie's Weak-ass apology from earlier in the day. Deandra calls out Carrie for always escaping criticism because everyone else has egged it on for so long. So finally, it seems like Stephanie and Cam are slowly starting to wake up to all the flaws, the flaws that Carrie has. But Cam, (coughs) Cam, they need to confront your raggedy ass too. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, Brandon, the internet confronts your ass every week, okay? (laughs) So I'm not even concerned about you being uh, addressed because you catch hands every time you log on to Instagram. I'm only concerned about Cam. Cam, it's your turn to come to the light. Next time Carrie comes to the light, I need you to come to the light right with her. Before I finish off this, uh, this section about the Real Housewives of Dallas, let me actually throw it to Lakia. Lakia from Atlanta, but she lives in Dallas currently. I actually love Lakia on Instagram. Lakia has a clubhouse. So if you go, you know, if you have the clubhouse app, she does a room every single Tuesday at six o'clock Eastern Standard Time called uh, Club Bravo. It's the Married to Medicine room. So for all you MTM or M2M fanatics out there, she has a great clubhouse that she hosts. Check it out. She wants to give her opinions about the Real Housewives of Dallas. And child, I love every ounce of this damn opinion right here, okay? Hello, it's me, Lakia from Atlanta. But technically, I'm currently living in Dallas, but I'm still not all the way claiming it. And honestly, I blame the Real Housewives of Dallas. No, I, I, I don't know. Let's just say I'm blaming them. So here I am to talk about this week's episode boring snooze fest. I mean, honestly, guys, Oklahomies running around in RVs looking for Bigfoot. Well, okay, let's not put Bigfoot in it because I actually like Bigfoot and I'm really invested in this whole storyline about finding Bigfoot. Shout out to Harry of Harry and the Hendersons. But, you know, these are the real housewives. I mean, are we really supposed to be running the woods looking for Bigfoot? And of course, we have at the beginning of the episode, our girl Brandy, not my girl, maybe your nobody's girl, Brandy, dragging us through her hot messness again. And Brandy, as your sister and get over yourself, stop dragging us all into your issues. Just really take a mirror and take a look at yourself and stop deflecting everything onto everybody else. Anyway, we've probably talked way too much about Brandy and not enough about Dr. Tiffany Moon and her umbrella hat for every occasion, every position of the sun. We all know that's fabulous. I I, I don't even know how she could make that look good, 
but it's cool. You know, you're out here in Oklahoma being an Oklahoma. Hey, you got to protect your skin. Skincare is important. And look, when the rest of the Oklahomies are becoming like leather ladies, maybe all of that shade they were throwing towards Dr. Moon could have protected them and their skin when they're over here looking like a hot mess in their later years. Anyway, toodles. Love you, mean it. Hope to see you guys the next time around. Bye. Love Lakia. Her clubhouse rooms are so good too. On uh, Clubhouse, she's kiki.d. That's K-I-K-I dot D. So follow her. Make sure you check out those Club uh, Bravo Married to Medicine rooms on Tuesdays, 5 o'clock Central, 6 o'clock Eastern Time. Child, I don't know what time, Pacific Time, y'all. Y'all do whatever you hear y'all want on the West Coast because I don't know what y'all be doing. So anyway, <laughs> let's get into this last little bit. When they get back to the house, Carrie starts her little apology tour. She starts off with Deandra for uh, <laughs> talking about them run over ass eggs that <laughs> that Deandra cooked for breakfast. Deandra took that shit personally. She finally got over it though, and she accepted a damn apology. Then she gives an actual what seems to be a genuine apology to Stephanie, where she's actually crying too. Both of them sitting up there crying. Y'all know everybody on Bravo just be crying, 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 just crying, 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 doing a cry baby and they and making a stallion and the baby ain't nowhere near around. It's just crying, crying, crying. I'll give it to Carrie though. I don't I don't give it to you much, but I'll give it to you. That it seemed like a genuine apology and I guess Stephanie forgave her. Uh, whatever. Bye. <laughs> Let's go ahead and jump in the summer house. And before I get into the episode, let me just say I've been blatantly kind of ignoring a few relationships and storylines <laughs> on this show, mostly because I don't care and I always forget. Anyway, Danielle got a whole man. I forgot the man's name. I don't know. And Paige has been ignoring Perry the whole damn season. Perry be getting mad. He 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 turns over and uh, uh won't talk to her no more when they FaceTime and all kind of shit. I don't know what's going on. Hannah and Dez, they having the best time of their life, but Paige just sitting there ignoring Perry and you know, she's I don't know what's going on. This is actually the perfect time to introduce the person that's gonna be helping me throughout this little summer house recap. And that's who you heard at the beginning of the episode, Chelsea from Oh No Bravo. Let me go ahead and throw it over to her really quickly. Hi, Kendrick. It's me, Chelsea Hamlet, famously Tim Hamlet's favorite of all of the outside Hamlet siblings. So I was just calling to say, hey, me and Tim are thinking about you, you know, just wishing you all the best because I know it must be just such a blow to the ego to realize that I am, in fact, the head hamhead. But I guess that I should introduce myself properly because your listeners are probably like, what the actual hell is she talking about? I'm Chelsea from Ono oh Bravo, and I have a lot of thoughts about Summer House. First of all, I high-key forgot that Paige had a boyfriend. I think she forgot that she had a boyfriend. I kind of feel like shouting justice for Perry because Paige does not give a single F about that man. Now, see... Perry is too damn fine to be ignoring. Paige, if you don't want him, 
throw his ass over here. We'll take him down in Memphis. We'll fatten him up a little bit, give him a little barbecue, you know. <laughs> you know, if you come to Memphis, you automatically gain 20 pounds. You don't have to eat none. It's just, it just happens. I don't know. Once you cross the Mississippi Bridge, it's a wrap on your waistline. I'm just saying. Perry, go ahead and come down here. New York ain't for you. No way. I just feel it in my spirit. Go ahead and come down here. We pick right back up from the fight from last week. You can't see me, but I put air quotes in the air when I said fight. Carl <laughs> jumped up to attack Luke, then took his ass right back to bed. Let me find out that uh, tempur got you hooked like that. Now, child, let me, I need one of them damn dual adjusting beds where I can, which I, I lay in the whole thing by myself, so... I'd keep one side uh, at an angle for watching TV and then retract the other side so I can, uh, hell, look at Instagram. I don't do shit else in that motherfucker. <laughs> Luke is outside with the producers, and Kyle is somewhere pretending to be upset because we all know that Kyle ain't going to bust a grape in a food fight. I'm just saying. Everyone is just trying to calm down the moment, but Kyle is still hype about how Luke wants to control females. His words, not mine. Females. Still weird to me, but go off. Lindsay pulls him to the side and tries to calm him down. She asks him, what are you grateful for in life? Their boy says, sharks, friends, and family. Boy, where? Boy, where? See, somebody asked me, Kendrick, what are you grateful for in life? Hibachi, seafood, ball bags, pasta. Easy. Not even a hard choice for me. See, for all of my friends and family that are listening to this podcast right now, just know you were a close, <laughs> a very close fourth and fifth. Now, I, I, you know, I need my, I have seafood Saturday every day in my house. I don't play by my seafood ball bags, okay? But just know y'all were a close fourth and fifth, okay? Luke is telling the producers that he no longer respects Kyle and then says it's a joke that Carl and Kyle, of all people, are telling him how to treat women. Um, you you got a point there, Luke. <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm with you on that one. If we get one more version, one more software update version of Carl, I'm gonna start demanding that he sells Carl Care, just like they got they got Apple Care or something, because. None of these versions are necessarily better than the other ones. Now, don't get me wrong. We've gotten a pretty good version this season, but even this version jumps up in his underwear to try to fight people. So, I mean, who am I to complain? We'll take whatever we can get. Hell, him putting himself in the middle of this whole Luke and Sierra business has really kind of taken him back a step for me. It seems like he has always been kind of hell-bit on picking fights with Luke for some reason. I have, I've never really understood that, but who am I to understand? Luke leaves the house for the night and says he doesn't want to come back, like, in general. But, of course, he comes back because they ain't turning down no damn Bravo checks. I'm just saying. Side note, we find out that Lindsey Hubbard was in ROTC, and life makes sense again. Like, everything just aligned perfectly. That lady slung the shit out of Kyle during that argument. See, Kyle, you don't need to be fighting. You do not need to be trying to fight anybody. Don't try to fight Luke when a high school ROTC student is whooping your ass left and right. See? <laughs> and that's coming from me. You know what? Before I get into my little spiel, let me throw it back to Chelsea from Oh No Bravo because all of this made a lot of sense to her too. Learning that Lindsay 
aka Hub House, was in ROTC as a child. Nothing in my life has ever made more sense than that. And the image of Hub House just full on decking Kyle Cook, just chef's kiss perfection. I love Lindsay. I love her. I love her. I love her. I want to just say <clears throat> I've given y'all many little nuggets about my upbringing on this podcast, but one thing I've yet to admit that I've somewhat omitted is that I too was in ROTC. <laughs> I did it for three years because if you did ROTC for three years at my school, you didn't have to take government. And the government teacher was a booger bear, okay? A booger bear. You did not want to see the inside of her classroom. Everybody came out of there with D's and F's. If you was lucky, you came out with a C plus maybe. But keep in mind, I had to apply to get into my high school. It was a public school too, so that's, that just goes to show you how crazy it was. So it was relatively smart kids that were actually there with child. I say that lightly because I don't trust any of them to screw in a damn light bulb replacement for me. So, <laughs> but regardless, I took ROTC so I don't have to do government. But even me, I don't know. I, I don't. I, I'm not lensing ROTC, but damn it, I was enough. I swung the gun every now and then, but then I I put it back up and went to my damn uh <laughs> went to damn home economics. Now let me stop. I'm just playing. Lindsay tells Danielle that she hasn't gotten her period lit. Ooh. Lindsay, are you Beyonce at the Grammys? <laughs> Ten times out of nine, I know you're lying. Ugh, except it's with Stravi. Ugh, it's Stravi, baby. You pregnant with Stravi, baby? At least Jay-Z rich. He buy Beyonce private islands and shit. Stravi sending you PowerPoint presentations. Ugh. Listen. When the pregnancy test arrives later on that day, she goes and pees on the stick like Beatrix Kiddo in Kill Bill Volume 2. While waiting, they talk about whether or not she would actually have the baby. And of course, Lindsay would have the baby. I honestly think Lindsay, when she probably, when it boils down to it, she probably doesn't necessarily need marriage and the picket fence and all that kind of stuff. But I think she definitely wants kids. So, Lindsay... Go be like Portia Williams and, you know, have that baby and live your best life. Warrior woman, don't settle for Stravi ass. That's not what you want. Don't settle for him, okay? I mean, you ran him off, but we that's a conversation for another day. But the right man will come along, but, you know, he might come along, you know, before. He might not come along before Mother Nature's ass. <sighs> a raggedy ass. Take course. I don't know. But regardless, don't be discouraged if your fairy tale life happens out of order. Now, see, by the way, she wasn't pregnant, but we all knew that going in because we see this uh, same pregnancy test scam on every reality TV show ever made. So nobody's really, you know, it was never a moment where anybody was holding their breath on the show. Just saying. Side note, the saddest moment in the history of Summer House happened on this episode Carl shaved his face <sighs> how tragic I told y'all after Hannah gave Kyle that 
you're the man apology. And he said, that's what I needed to hear that I was no longer going to give Kyle and Carl any attention towards their physical prowess. Now, see, that's more so directed at Carl than Kyle. I mean, you know what I mean? But now I'm, I'm really good. Like, it's the beard for me, okay? <laughs> I can't in good consciousness continue to ogle someone when I know I'm helping to inflate. Ooh, how do I say this? the white man's ego. I'm just saying, no, I mean, I know that sounds bad, but I can't, I can't in good consciousness know that all you need in life to hear is that you the man and that's going to be enough for you. I'm mm -mm, sorry. That sounds bad to say, but Hey, uh, life ain't fair. <laughs> Carl talks about how drinking led to a lot of what happened the night before. And Kyle kind of realizes he a badass friend because he didn't stop Carl from getting to that place, knowing that he's dealing with a, a, a huge amount of grief right now. Carl talks about possibly leaving the house because quote unquote, he can't be responsible for other people's explosive reactions about things that are probably true. Directly loaded at Luke. Okay. Listen, one thing about reality TV stars, they can see everyone else's fault but their own. <laughs> we know this to be true of all reality TV. Flavor of love, love and hip-hop, The Bachelor, The Bachelorette, all the Real Housewives, and now Summer House too. We can all see everybody else's faults but none of our own. Everyone just, just own your parts in this shit and move the fuck on. They talk about Luke having a scary side when he's angry, and that's important to actually acknowledge on this show because this is this is Sierra's entire issue with Luke. She doesn't like the way that he talks to women and how he explodes during arguments and how he doesn't respect boundaries, you know, all this kind of stuff. Later on, we then get kind of an interesting scene that Paige narrates perfectly. Paige, you still raggedy as hell, but nevertheless, they giving you the good girl edit, so we'll let you have that. They're all outside, and Sierra says, you know, she's in her bikini that's too small, and she says that she almost had a bikini slip moment. This is when Carl, I'm not Carl, Kyle whispers, oh, that would have been so sweet. Uh, perf, Jesus. <laughs> then he says, there's a question that I've been dying to ask you. Are your boobs real? Now, see. When she says, yes, they are, he lets out a, ooh, hot tamale. Really? That's what we doing, really? Wait, not Kyle. Not Kyle that called out Luke for the way that he treats women. Not that Kyle. Paige says that Kyle woke up and chose hypocrisy. Yes. Yes, he did, Paige. But what else is new? What do you expect from our Bravo shows? Hypocrisy is what we do, okay? Then Paige says, you know what? They are great boobs, and I've been wondering the same thing myself, child. Uh, quiet as it's kept, we all have, okay? <laughs> we all been wondering if they were real or not, but I think she said it once before in a, you know, another episode when she let Danielle squeeze them, so who knows? Let me leave uh, Kyle's small ass alone, okay? Later, while Kyle and Amanda are in the kitchen whipping up some yams, Luke calls and says that he's outside and he wants to have a private conversation with Kyle first. Kyle agrees and he walks down to the driveway. Luke makes it clear that he's there to, you know, have a peaceful conversation and to actually listen. They both kind of express a lot of disappointment in their own behaviors. Kyle says, you know, uh, 
he says something that I've been saying since season one. And I'm actually glad that he's learned how to look within. <laughs> he's introspective enough now to actually realize it. He says, I have a big problem where for some reason I tend to fight other people's battles. Well, duh. Now, Kyle, just work on it because honestly, that's been my biggest gripe with you since season one. Like throughout this whole show run, that's been my biggest issue with you. I hate people that consistently always jumping in and fighting other people's battle. It annoys the hell out of me. They both end up apologizing and they walk into the house together and the girls are shook. They are shooketh, okay? Woo-wee! But then it's time to have another conversation. The conversation, really quick though, between Luke and Carl, it all ends up coming back to Carl's brother's death, which is understandable. Anyone that's dealt with the death of a loved one definitely knows how it affects you. It affects... I mean, there's no, like, you know, there's no uh, textbook with how one person is definitely going to deal with it. It affects everyone differently. After they make amends and Carl gives, you know, him all of the Lord's biblical advice, Luke goes and talks to his sister on the phone. He's like, I'm just, I'm just going to talk to everyone. Ominous. Very, very ominous. I don't know what's happening. At the dinner table, they notice that Luke is physically and noticeably dressed. And they ask him what's wrong. This is when he goes into a a long apology basically to everybody. He starts by telling them that the battles that he's been dealing with his whole life, specifically with yelling and how uh, it's ingrained within him and how his parents are always yelling at each other and always arguing. There's never not a time when they're not arguing. He says he's ashamed of himself because of how he reacted last night. He says he tries so hard to not be that person. You know, people go around the table, they start accepting his apology and, you know, they acknowledge that, you know, this summer is just them in that house. So it's a bit of a, you know, a pressure cooker situation. Luke gives a direct apology though, to Hannah and Sierra. Now he gives Sierra first. He acknowledges that he hasn't respected her boundaries and all this kind of stuff. And then he uh, tells Hannah, you know, he understands how he might treat women sometime. They both accept in the house, the house kind of seems to almost reset. I don't know. It's kind of weird. Maybe I'm here for it. Maybe I'm not. I don't know. The gang later on, or maybe it's another day because they were just eating. I don't know. Them motherfuckers always eating. But I think the next day they go out to dinner to celebrate. Oh, child. They go out to celebrate Kyle and Amanda's engagement anniversary. Yes. Engagement anniversary they've been engaged for two years now their engagement anniversary okay i'm sick of y'all asses if kyle and amanda aren't married by the end of the season i'm boycotting okay i'm boycotting this shit because we because we i don't get it while this ridiculousness is happening, Stravi has popped over and popped up at these damn people's house and is setting up a whole romantic gesture. Now, I don't know how the hell he got a key to their house. He was supposed to turn in that key when he left, but nevertheless, he got in there. He out there by the, uh, 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 by the grass, by the pool, spelling out, I love you with lit candles. You heard me right, in the grass. I repeat, in the grass. 
I know Smokey the Bear is somewhere drafting up a damn affidavit to send a, to Andy Cohen and Bravo right damn now. This is not the message that we need to be sending the youth, okay? We do not light fires in the grass. That's how all them damn California, uh, they said people leave them damn uh, fires and stuff unattended, and that's how the wildfires start in California. And now y'all trying to have it in New York, see? Y'all need y'all asses beat for this kind of stuff. Producers, y'all need y'all asses beat too for letting Stravy back in the house. Lindsay gets back, and she sees all of this, and... <gasps> We end on a gasp. So I guess we'll find out what happens next week. Before I transition over to Merit at First Sight, it's important to note that on Summer House next week, or if you listen to this the day it comes out, tonight's episode, we know that Dez makes his arrival to the house. Dez, a.k.a. Kyle in 15 years. <laughs> Child. Let me go ahead and throw it back over one more time to Chelsea from Oh No Bravo to give you her thoughts and her conspiracy about Hannah and Dez. Mm. And finally, we must address the elephant in the room, Dez, a.k.a. if Kyle Cook were to step into a time machine and emerge 15 years older and several inches taller, I am so happy that they are addressing the fact that Hannah is literally dating a man who looks exactly like Kyle, just older and taller. She said that she wants to hate fuck Kyle, and I think that all of the clues are telling us that yes, this is true. I'm worried for Hannah in real life because I think she thinks that Dez is going to be this like hilarious quirky guy that joins the house and everybody loves. But judging from the exactly 71 seconds that he's been on our screen so far, in just previews, not even real time yet, I feel like this man is going to be a nightmare. I feel like he's going to get the serial killer edit. I feel like he's going to get the douchebag edit. I feel like everybody is going to hate this man. And I do actually feel for Hannah because she and Dez have never been through this process before. We know that they're engaged in real time. And I feel like it's going to be the Stasi Patrick situation. I'm sorry to speak that name on your podcast. Pardon me, Redacted Schroeder and Patrick situation where she thought that he was this like prince and he came on and everybody was like, this guy like this motherfucker so i hope that i'm wrong but i do have to say my spidey senses are tingling and i always can sense the bad edit and this man is going to be a garbage goblin i already hate him and i'm interested to hear your thoughts how do you think it's gonna pan out for old desi boy you know what first of all Thank you for dropping the Spider-Man reference on my podcast. I love it. I guess you too know about me and you, the housewives, and Marvel too. I appreciate it. Second of all, you know what? I'm inclined to agree with you about Dez. See, I actually, I you know, I like them on social media, but I definitely think that, you know, Hannah, this season at least, you know, she's getting that Bravo chat room check. She's getting this summer house check. I don't know what the check she's getting. Maybe that Giggly Squad check or the podcast Burning Hell or whatever it's called. I don't know. I I feel like Bravo has basically gave her the bag and said, now, okay, perform. And so I think she knew the bad edit was coming to her this season. I think she knew that Dez, if he came, he's most likely going to get it too. So only time will tell. I'm excited to see the episode and what it's going to bring, and how we end up viewing Dez. Now let's go ahead and get into Married at First Sight.
Okay. This episode is going to be a little difficult to talk about because we were bouncing back and forth between the couples and these like individual counseling sessions that they were doing. So I'm going to try to do my best. (sighs) Here we go. We start the episode off with Eric and Virginia. Her sister and nephew are coming to visit. They mention like some of the issues that they've had, but then Eric kind of exits the scene, you know, exit stage left. And then he takes the kids and the dog outside. This gives her and her sister, obviously, an opportunity to chat. She mentions, you know, sometimes that he's a little controlling. You never want to say that to the, you know, the family unless, you know, you're scared for your life because, you know, they're going to take that shit and run with it. But you know what? I listen to a lot of true crime. If you think that man is controlling, tell everybody, okay? I don't trust that shit. Tell them. Run! You know, let me stop. (laughs) Later, after they, you know, uh, talk to the relationship therapist, he tells her that he's going to let the dog mouse go. You know what? Why don't we go ahead and jump to that section, actually? They go in to talk to the therapist individually. Virginia, she talks about how Eric's very, you know, his conversations are so blunt, you know, and she told him that she doesn't, you know, want kids. She doesn't know if she wants kids. And how when she says stuff like that, he basically says that, you know, he'll be absolutely done if she doesn't want kids and all like that. And he said that a few times on a show now that we know of. She tells the therapist about her fears and, you know, how they stem back from her own parents. Basically, like they've alluded to in the conversation between, you know, her and her sister earlier in the episode. He gives her some good advice about how to actually get over those fears and how to deal with Eric's crazy ass. So we'll see if that pan out in the next episode. When they get to Eric, of course, this man, the first thing he's bringing up, not about uh, Virginia doing something or not, you know, doing this and that. He brings up the damn dog. What What is this issue with the damn? I don't understand. Like, what is this dog representing in y'all life? And why do you get so angry about this dog? I just don't know. He, like, really wants to, like, military train this dog like he made Japan or somebody. I don't know. Thank God for the therapist therapist, because she relates it to having a child. She said, you know, instead of a dog, let's talk about it in the sense of you two have, uh, or she had a kid that she was entering into this relationship with, saying, you know, would you want to be the half owner of a child instead of, you know, actually taking the time to build a relationship, a relationship with the child naturally. And you know, yada, yada, yada. Finally, he says he sees that he's never thought about it like that. So now he's ready apparently to move on from that part. Then they talk about Virginia and how she's always going out every single weekend. And the therapist says, well, can you ask her for one of her, you know, four weekends in a month? teaching this man how to rationally have conversations because we all know that he is, that's one thing he would not do. It's either his way or the highway. He's not going to have no rational conversation. Extreme to extreme. Extreme to extreme. Shit, it's, his ass is, he's a lot to handle. He is a lot. After those therapy sessions, he tells her again, you know, I'm going to, we don't have to talk about the dog anymore. I'm going to let that go. You know, he gonna let the dog mouse go. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? <laughs> he also brings up that uh, they need to quit letting alcohol dictate all of their arguments and all this kind of stuff. And for some reason, she says that she's not willing to talk about that. 
I don't know if she just hooked on like if she's if it's that important to her or what, but it seemed like something deeper was coming up and he just moved on. So apparently he knew what the trigger was. I don't know. She brings up the quote unquote kids ultimatum. And he doesn't think that's fair to call it an ultimatum, but uh, yeah, I think it's fair to call it an ultimatum. He actually starts being a good person and, you know, starts telling her that she'd be a great mom one day and he'd never leave her because she couldn't have kids. Not if she won't, if she couldn't have kids. Then, they, you know, they go right back downhill when they have to bring up that conversation about him uh, wanting one of her weekends every single month and be able to schedule time and all this kind of stuff. Listen. I told y'all, I don't know if they're going to make it or not, but I'm recommending they don't because that man is controlling and she's willing sometimes to be controlled, but her anxiety is through the roof and, oh, it's just, uh, that whole relationship, I just hate watching. It makes me jittery and uncomfortable. Uh, uh, I don't know. We next get to see Ryan and Clara's individual couples counseling, you know, sessions, yada, yada, yada child ryan is you know portraying that his marriage is perfect he said if he only knew that his wife was you know <laughs> i was about to be real petty but i'm not gonna say that if he only knew that woman was ready for the d and he uh she wanted him to stop hogging all the eggplant for himself he wouldn't be saying all that shit the therapist she the therapist flat out asked him you know to address his spirituality and how important it is to him and he remembers to give you know that same Miss America answer, you know, well, you know, we'll cross it when it comes. And, you know, spirituality is very important. And, you know, thank you. I miss Delaware. No, no, bitch. That ain't what we doing. Okay. Remember, they already had this conversation at some point during the season about whether or not they'll raise their kids in the church. Clearly, it's important to him, but he treats it as if it's not a big idea because obviously his love language is forgetting their problems actually resisting the marriage so we'll if you like it i love it when they get to clara she says the relationship is a 10 out of 10 but then once he starts prying she really starts to open up she says that they still haven't consummated the marriage and that he still hasn't said the i love you word she said that she wouldn't be satisfied if he kept going in this same direction, though. Now, see, that's the key phrase right there. Y'all be trying to sugarcoat the shit. That's the key phrase. I can never remember that uh, the male therapist's name, but he is so funny to me. His facial expressions are every damn thing. I live for him. She tells him that that boy went years without sex or saying I love you in a relationship and that man, I wish you could have saw how big his eyes got like, wait, <laughs> wait, you ain't, you been how long? What? Oh, I did listen. I'm right with you there. I don't know what the hell that man doing. Ryan, you, I, we, we got to dig deeper in the rhyme because I don't know what I don't know what the hell is going on there. He needs a little psychology or something. I understand you want the first time to be perfect, but child y'all married now i don't i don't i don't know the first time we see them as a couple during this episode is when they're actually discussing those same therapy sessions first they talk about you know the religion stuff but you know they don't talk about that long apparently they don't really care (laughs) but then they start to discuss sex he said what are your thoughts about basically my stance on sex and not having it until we fallen in love she says, you know, she knows at this point not to push his boundaries and all like that, yada, yada, yada. But she is sexually frustrating, but she has to respect him. 
he says he wants it to just, you know, happen naturally. I want it to be special for us. I don't want it to, you know, check a box, you know, all that kind of shit. Yeah, I don't know. Seems like he coming up with every excuse in the book not to lay down with us. So that ain't my business. Y'all do what you do, okay? Ooh, Lord. Then we get to Paige and Chris. Let's start off with Paige. She comes in, first of all, looking good. Looking good. Okay, G-O-O-D-T, good. The therapist starts off apologizing, you know, for not knowing about the mess of a life that Chris had, you know, behind the curtains throughout this whole process. She called that man an extreme narcissist. She was talking, I'm talking about she was down in his ass. But you know what? You better not bite your tongue, Miss Dr. Lady. I, everything she was saying was true, so I don't know why the hell she would bite her tongue. Paige speaks about the confusion as to why any of this even happened. And the therapist said, well... He doesn't think about anybody other than himself. They basically spend this whole like therapy session shitting on him and building page up. And I think we can all agree. Yes, I know that's right. That's what we came for. Okay. (laughs) But then, of course, later on in the episode, we see her packing her bags to leave the apartment permanently. So I think this was Paige's last appearance on the show until decision day. So. Cut to Chris. Chris, I want to get you together so goddamn bad by your funky, badass attitude on this damn show, especially on this episode. You, I, uh, I could smell you through that TV. You bald head scallywag. Ain't got no hair in the back jail to weed up. You ninja turtle looking bastard. You goddamn, uh, 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 who else? Who else? Uh, 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 I wish I could think of a damn Pokemon to call. You goddamn Snorlax, Pikachu, Squirtle-looking ass motherfucker. I'm so goddamn. Chris drives me up the wall. First of all, he's supposed to be there to meet the therapist at 7 o'clock. That man doesn't walk in until almost an hour later. They were wrapping up production. They were like, okay, well, let's just go ahead and leave because... Well, the man ain't got to do nothing but come from inside the building, so I don't know why the hell he late. That man already started off wrong, saying that he wouldn't have talked to Paige in a club or at a bar because of her face. Yeah, he actually said that, because of her face. He was being just so fucking rude the entire time, so rude. He said that there are so many black queens and white queens and Hispanic queens, so many uh, queens in Atlanta, that man says she was qualified in all areas of her life except her face. You know the fuck what? Chris, you act like you goddamn uh, one of the Hemsworth brothers or Idris Elba. or You you really out here thinking you just fine as wine because you uh, looked up on a little bit of money. Boy, I... I was about to say something from the bottom of my heart. Boy, fuck you. How about that? Boy, fuck you. Fuck you, Chris. You know what? You just, you are the most disgusting piece of shit on TV. The therapist is arguing with them and uh, arguing up and down about he never even gave his marriage a chance. He's so smug and he's smirking the whole time. And ugh. I, you know what? Chris said... He handled the marriage the best that he could. Now, if anybody y'all watching that, y'all, if y'all been watching the show, y'all know that's a goddamn lie. 
the therapist even asked, he said, if that's true, then why would you as a married man go off and buy a Mercedes for another person? Uh, hello? How about that? That man said, oh, he said, I told her she can come along. What kind of dumbass excuses there? You know what, Chris? I'm so glad this is the last episode. We got to see your ass because you rose my, you made my blood pressure rise during this damn episode, and I'm not okay with it. Listen, we're not giving you any more energy on behalf of the entire viewing audience. Boy, fuck you. How about that? Let's jump over to supposedly one of the better couples on the show, Vincent and Brianna. They start the episode off not in their therapy session, but actually in their home. They're sitting down to discuss the most awkward thing for folks to discuss finances. Vincent is starting to see how much marriage costs. Vincent in for a rude ass awakening. Okay. It's usually not until, you know, you go through your finances that you realize just how much money you spend on meaningless shit. Every single paycheck. They listed everything from insurance to entertainment, personal grooming, clothes, all of that. All that shit totaled up to over $9,000. Now, see, I don't know what period that was over. I don't know if that was a month. <laughs> I don't know if that was multiple months. I don't know if that was a year. I don't know what it was. It uh, it was high, though. See, rent in Atlanta ain't that damn high. So I'm assuming this was like strictly entertainment expenses, maybe for the whole year. I don't know. Regardless. Money will tear your marriage up quicker than infidelity ever can. So y'all better uh figure that shit out if y'all want to make it. I don't know if y'all want to make it or not, but you, you figure that shit out. Chris has his little individual counseling session first. After uh, <laughs> they put Vincent, who's the best, after fuckboy Chris because they know I needed to lower my blood pressure because Chris was about to take me the fuck out of here. He says that their only real issue is communication. And that's only sometimes. Of course, you know, all this is going back to like what we saw in the early episodes where like the salsa dancing and, you know, a little, a couple of the things that have caused fights based on their communication or lack thereof, I guess. But uh, also going back to that financial conversation earlier than that, he says one thing that bothers him is that when he's <laughs> is her trying to make him get up when he's dog tired because he was driving to, for work all of the day previously. The therapist, you know, she, he's like, okay, look, you got to find time to take care of yourself because it sounds like it's very necessary, especially for your job. I'm, listen, I know I'm fucking up these therapist advice because <laughs> I know damn well that nobody says self-care, but I, listen, y'all know I be half-ass paying attention. I think that's what they said. That's close enough, okay? Brianna gets in her session, and she actually gushes over Vincent, too. But when it comes time to talk about problems, what does she say? Ding, 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 communication. She brings up her addressing things immediately, but him sitting there and kind of stewing and, you know, letting it all fester and all this kind of stuff over time. She brings up the financial conversation, and she says that he just started a business and doesn't want to spend anything on them actually dating each other anymore. Now, keep in mind, though they are married, they've only known each other for like a month. If you go keep this marriage going, you've got to keep the courtship going. But the main thing is, well, at least with her, 
just like Virginia, she's afraid of pregnancy. Now, see, she has like, while Virginia had like those kind of mental roadblocks, she had like a lot of actual like physical roadblocks. She talked about how like her blood pressure is always very high and, you know, she can never really do anything about that throughout the course of her life. So she has to kind of, you know, she, she has to take it easy and she has to really kind of prepare for something like a pregnancy. So it sounds like something they actually just need to talk about and they haven't talked about that yet. After their individual therapy sessions, they come back together and they talk specifically once again about the finances. She talks about everything that she wants to do, but he's saying he's kind of, you know, he's over that stuff. Like, you know, she wants to go out and have fun and buy this and that because she felt like she's worked very hard her entire life to get to the point where she is. He's like, well, I'm over it. I've had the nice things. I've had all the cars and all like that. I don't want that anymore. I want to build and, you know, yada, yada, yada. All this shit the responsible folks say. I don't know nothing about that, so I can't speak to his uh, uh, tone of mind, so... He says he just wants both of them to do better about money. Sounds like they're going to probably compromise about this. Who knows? After that, though, he brings up the sleeping issue. She said she feels like they could get a lot more done throughout the day if they both get up together. But he said he's dog tired. Her compromise is telling him to go to bed earlier. Now, listen, I know the fuck that's right. That's how I compromise too, Brianna. (laughs) I tell you how you can get the fuck out of my face, and that's the compromise. See, I fucks with them. They my favorite couple on the show. I fucks with y'all. Now let's get to Haley and Jacob. Jacob and the villain. <laughs> Let me stop. Okay, Jacob, you know, he's very honest from the start. He says that he feels like he's very attractive to her, but he's been playing by her rules to get her to basically become more attached to him. He said that if he could, he'd ask about, you know, why she started pulling away from him after the Vegas trip. He says that he still wants his, you know, his marriage to work because, you know, he wanted this, he's been wanting marriage. That's why he did the show. He's very in tune with why he's there, what's going on. He really wants to be married to someone at the end of this. She, on the other hand, she talks about how, you know, how dependable he is, Great job, has his life together, you know, own house, yada, yada, yada. She got her own house. She got her own car. Two club, work job. She a bad bra. And you ain't on sit down. If you ain't on sit down. She's talking about all of that, but she still can't find common ground with him. The therapist said, well, you know, you're the one couple that doesn't even seem to really know each other. Haley brings up the conversation of asking him what's been he's been doing in Atlanta for the past 10 years and he couldn't verbalize it. The therapist called her out and basically said that man has compromised more than anyone in the history of everdom in making a relationship work. The alcohol drinking, the new clothes, the tarot card readings, all this stuff. Haley starts crying about being a failure but not about the actual marriage. You know what? Haley, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> Haley, you know I've been sick of your ass for a long time now. I'm just saying. The therapist asks both of them to have a, you know, an honest conversation about how they make each other feel and all that kind of stuff. She asks him what he's been doing once again for the past 10 years. And he finally gives her the answer of, 
oh, well, you know, most of my friends have gotten married and had kids, so my social life has decreased dramatically. He asked why she pulled away from him in Vegas, and she opens up about being in a controlling relationship previously and said that, you know, she didn't want him to, she didn't want anybody telling her what to do and, you know, yada, 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 all that kind of stuff. She said she knows she needs to do better about that. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm not trying to laugh, but I, they, I feel like, do y'all feel like, I feel like these two specifically reset and hit the button every single episode only for shit to get bad right again. I don't know. She says she didn't feel like he was trying to get to know her more, and he says he feels like he could never approach her. Keep in mind, when they used to hug, she's the one who used to, ugh, you know, make all them kind of sounds, uh, grunt, all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, I don't blame, he, he doesn't feel like he could ever approach her. This is the first time, you know, both of them actually been this open, though. Ultimately, once again, they both said they do want to try, and her being... It seems like her being willing is the actual problem. I don't know. Listen, it's a lot of motherfuckers on this show. I think I covered them all. Hell, I don't really damn know. That ain't my business. No way. Let me move on to The Real Housewives of New Jersey. Child. The episode begins with everyone going to dinner. Now, remember, there are two different houses going on. The Gorga house and the Catania house. They can't all sit together at this dinner because finally... COVID regulation. Thank you. I feel like this is like the first time we're actually seeing people eating on the Real Housewives of New Jersey and New Jersey and being forced to kind of adhere to these regulations. I don't know. It seems like no one else has ever like actually done this. Maybe on Bravo because I mean it's some big groups. Them Atlanta girls, it's thirty eight of them, and they've been uh, all eating at the same table. So I don't know what the hell going on. Women are at one table. The men go to another one. I already know I'm going to ugly cry during this episode because they're talking about all of our favorite. No, no. Oh, grandpa. No, no. Teresa and Joey's dad. Rest in heaven. No, no. Oh, don't do this to me, Jersey. Don't do this to me. At the dinner, Joe keeps bringing up the practical joke that uh, Teresa played on him with Melissa. He keeps bringing it up with her directly. Now, see, remember towards like the third or so episode when Jackie didn't go on that trip. Dom, go on a cast trip or they go replace your ass. She didn't go on the cast trip and the rest of the ladies went and when they got on that boat, they prank called Joe. She pretended like Melissa had gotten someone's phone number, you know, all like that. Y'all remember. Teresa said in her confessional, maybe there's something we don't know about since they're constantly, you know, bringing it up. She's like, look, this ain't a real thing. Why do you keep bringing this up? It's not that important. It's not that important. Quit bringing it up. She calls back to, you know, she does her infamous, uh, you know, laugh. Ha ha. Funny. I love that. And I'm glad I wasn't the only one that caught this reference. Did y'all know where that came from? I remembered it immediately because I watched this reunion uh, at some probably within the past Probably three weeks, I actually watched this reunion. Let me throw it over to Samaj from the Me, I Am Cancelled podcast. Hey, Kendrick, or Kennedy, if you're nasty. This is Samaj from the Me, I Am Cancelled podcast. And I would like to say, how great was it that we got a call back tonight on Jersey? See, this is how you know Teresa is about this life. She gets it. She knows she 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 sees it 
like literally the fact that she said haha it's a joke laugh funny the fact that she made a callback referenced herself just as another reason that Teresa is the goat and then again with the sex talk I got these lemons on my shirt I hope that somebody kisses my lemons amazing flawless work from Teresa yet again I'm guessing this whole little discussion is basically setting us up for future episodes, maybe. I don't know. We get to the conversation about Jennifer and Margaret, and Margaret says we both said some nasty things. Jennifer says you're no stranger to nasty, and she re- she references the comments that Margaret made about Bill being her meal ticket. Margaret says, you know, well, your whole aspiration is being a housewife. Listen, I told y'all last week, and I feel like every week when Margaret gets into an argument with Jennifer, stop putting down women who decide to stay home, women or men, actually, who decide to stay home and take care of their kids. Y'all know how much I hate this. It drives me up the wall. To my absolute shock, though, Jackie and her confessional actually said, look, I'm not the biggest Jennifer fan, but I've been a stay-at-home mom for a good portion of my life, too. Thank you, Jackie. Thank you. With your boring ass. (laughs) Let me stop. I slandered Jackie way too much on this podcast. Let me stop. Can we stop glorifying the struggle, please, and thank you? I've directed this to my black listeners before when I was talking about something who God who knows what. Because there are so many times when we can all admit that we tend to glorify struggling in life, whether it's medically, whether it's monetarily, whatever it is. Jennifer has a husband that takes care of her and his family. That's a good thing, right? Like Marge, you know, I love you, but we got to stop that. On the other hand, Jennifer, you know, I love you too. But whether Marge says it was sexual intimidation or not, you know that her boss was in a position of power over her. You know that what she was saying was that, you know, he was, you know, yada, yada, yada. You know what I'm trying to say. So let's not justify any of the, you know, the dumb comments or, you know, just apologize for it. This, I feel like it's going to get really gross because it's already spilled over into social media in real life. I'm not looking forward to that. I don't want that argument to come any more into fruition. Side note, though, while I did just say that, I think Marge and Jennifer actually could carry this franchise for a few years. Jackie is not a good enough opponent for Teresa, but Jennifer and Marge could go at it all day. In fact, that's all they've literally been doing for the past three years. (laughs) I don't necessarily see like, you know, whereas Teresa is in the Nene lane, I definitely see Marge and Jennifer maybe stepping up to be in that Portia versus Kenya lane. You know, that's, that's iconic in itself. So I don't, you know, I'm here for it. If they want to do that, I'm with your Jersey, make it happen. They get in the van and Joey and Melissa are arguing about Melissa, not waiting for Joey's grown ass to get in the van. Ooh, child, the high school. I can't the high school. He says they used to be attached at the hip, but not since she got envy. Okay, now see, that makes more sense. This is what this is all about. You mad because the woman worked. This is ridiculous. Joey does not want 
Melissa to work. And he's made this very clear with all of the, the, the passive aggressive snide comments that he's made in front of the children all of these years. See, let that lady work in that damn store. Hell, you didn't mind. You don't mind working for Bravo. So your ass can be famous, but you got a problem with her working at Envy, child. When they get back to the house, they go in entirely separate corners of the house. And when they're there, Melissa actually, you know, first is Joe and he's talking about, you know, he articulates how he wants to be loved and he wants attention and he wants them to be closer. But in our other corner, Melissa brings up a good point. She says, you know, me and Joe got married when I was 24. That lady is like 40 or 41 right now because I think she celebrated a birthday her 40th last year. So in real time, she might be 42 at this point. You can't expect her to be the same person she was at 24 when that lady is in her 40s now. She said he used to be controlling, and at the time, she thought it was so sexy, and she thought that's what it meant to be a man. But now, you know, she's had to kind of help him unlearn a lot of those habits. He ends up going inside, and absolutely nothing is resolved. The next morning, everybody is getting ready for the day. Joe and Evan are working out. And Melissa jumps on her bike like she wanted the kids from Stranger Things. <laughs> Let me find out Melissa getting ready to go to the Upside Down while she at the Jersey Shore. <laughs> later, her and Joe basically decide not to talk it out. You know, they're going to talk it out later. And they're going to focus just on No-No's Day. You know what? Good plan. They don't come up with good plans too much on Bravo and these reality shows. So that's actually a pretty good plan. Don't ruin the day. Just discuss it later. Y'all been married long enough. Y'all not going to hate each other, kill each other. Just hold off a moment. Good plan, guys. While they're at lunch, Jackie is filling the others in about why Melissa and Joe were arguing in the first place. But at the other table... Joe Gorga is gone somewhere with Frank Catania, supposedly to see, you know, somebody from high school, child. Okay, production. <laughs> and his phone is ringing like crazy. Melissa like, uh-uh, who that? Who, who, is, who is that? Who is Who calling us? <laughs> who calling us on your phone? <laughs> he comes back and the calls keep coming in. It keeps popping up and saying somebody named Realtor Giselle, child. Let me find out Joe Gorga trying to uh, surprise Melissa by having Giselle Bryan dress her for a day. Now, see, that's the crossover we all want to see. Yeah. We, <laughs> we, we see uh, Frank at this point constantly texting Joe and trying to figure out what's going on. Turns out it was all a prank. They trying to get revenge. Ha, ha, ha. Y'all so funny. Ha, ha. Okay. Bye. Bye. No, no one cared. Bye. It's time for No-No's Tribute. Inhale. Exhale. Everybody starts to gather at the Gorga house. And before you ask, yep, Jennifer has on a dress with puff sleeves. <laughs> Child. All of Teresa's kids come. All of them. I guess she took a, you know, Gia took a break from doing cocaine in the bathroom and let Jackie tell it to get his damn speech. You know what? Y'all gonna leave that girl alone, okay? Gia don't deserve this. She don't deserve it. She's reading that speech that she wrote at his actual funeral. Now, y'all, I wasn't no more good during this part. She gets misty and I get misty right beside her. Let me tell y'all something. If you're listening to this on a day that uh, this podcast episode comes out, 
which would be Thursday, April the 8th. Then it's my father's birthday. My father passed away in 2016. So his birthdays and the holidays, you know, they're always a tad difficult. But, you know, they get easier as the years go on. We're going to go, like, release some balloons, you know, for his birthday at the cemetery or, you know, some dangers to the environment. Hell, child, my sister planning it. Don't blame me, hell. <laughs> Since this year, it'll actually be, oh, wow, that's crazy. It's actually going to be five years since he passed in June. Oh, my God. Child, R.I.P. Dad and R.I.P. No, no. Let me get up off here before I start getting uh, emotional. Not emotional. Emotional with a M. Lord. Bye-bye, Kendrick. We love you. As always, thanks for listening. Want to support me for free? Just head on over to Apple Podcasts or Stitcher or Podchaser or CastBox and leave me a five-star rating and review. Need to contact me? Just email me, housewivesmarvelpodcast at gmail.com. Also, don't forget to follow me on Instagram for hilarious memes and all kinds of updates regarding the podcast. That's at housewivesmarvelpodcast. This is Kendrick, and I'll see ya! Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.